Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now here's the message. By faith, I think is one of my favorite statements that I find in Hebrews 11, which is what we're going to study today. So if you have a Bible, go to, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, we're kind of in this weird, not limbo spot, but we ended our Old Testament reading plan and have about two weeks. Jeremiah took the first one last week, Big Red took the last one, first one, and I'm going to take this one. And as we were praying, we're like, we're not quite ready to do Christmas yet. I, I don't really want to do a Christmas series, and we're not in the New Testament reading plan next year. That's just going to start January 2nd. And so we kind of looked at each other and went, what should we do? And when we kind of committed, we're going to pray what does God want to say to this church? And then two, let's just preach our journal. Now hear me, a man has a journal, not a diary. So I have a journal. I have a journal, I write in it most days. It's like the deep stuff. It's my prayers for you. It's my prayers for my family. It's things God has done. It's questions, it's doubts, it's quotes. It's, it's, if you read it, if I left it in this room and you found it, I would be nervous because it would give you a picture of what I think about and what I doubt about and what I long for and who I am. And as we talked about, me and Mr. Jeremiah, uh, we said, preach our journal. I was like, well, okay. But I'm about to just kind of open up who I am and what God has done in my life. Uh, and many of you were actually a part of it. And then next week, as we get together, we're going to talk about the incarnation. So you'll get your Christmas sermon, okay? And then the week after that will be the 26th. And we're just gonna, we're gonna party, man. We're gonna celebrate and we're gonna praise. And then on the second, we'll talk a little bit about what we believe God wants to do with the, the new year. But for today, I'll start with a question. What has your faith provoked you or produced in you recently? Now, what has it made you do? Because normally we think about faith in a very cerebral, a very removed way but if you take the whole counsel of scripture, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, they did something. And then you take in James. Martin Luther hated the book of James, but I like it. It says faith without is, ooh. So what is your faith produced? What has it made you do? And, and don't think like, well, I moved to Kenya and I saved an orphanage. That's not what I'm talking about. Have you prayed? Have you shared why you have hope in Jesus? Have you slowed down long enough to even sit with Jesus? These are all actions of faith. And when I got ready to preach today, I was like, man, Lord, I, I want to stir the people's heart, not with information, but with a love for you and a fiery faith. Because the other question me and Jeremiah started to ask, he actually asked it last week, he said, if God wrote this church a letter, what would it sound like? So in the book of Revelation, God actually writes letters by the Spirit to seven churches. And they all start off really nice. Like, you do this really well, and most of them have a, but, this I hold against you. And I don't know what that but would be, but I want to preach over you that I want the thing that God commends us for is those people at Cobblestone walked by faith. Even if they felt it, even if they understood it, they did what God said. We took him at his word. And so as I prep for today, I, I literally just took my journal, which I forgot in my office again, uh, and I opened it up. And I write quotes, and I read books, and I write what I think about them. And the very first page in big, bold letters, it says, the goal of preaching is not instruction. The goal of preaching is adoration. And I, I can teach you some stuff in Greek if you want. It'll make you feel smart. It will not change your soul. What I want for us, I, learning that the Israelites used a certain type of pottery in Hebrew words will puff up your brain, but it will do literally nothing for your adoration. I want you to adore Jesus. I want you to follow him to your grave, if that's what it is. Follow him wherever. He's really worthy of anything. And if he wants to take my life and put me in a no-name, small country church and I spend my days there working hard and loving a few people, yes, God. 
If he wants to put me on a stage or off a stage or in a back room, yes, God. That is my hope for you today, that your heart would be inflamed with faith like you were a new little baby Christian. Me, I'm 21 years in the Lord, so I'm like a drinking age college student in the God, okay? Some of you, you're a little bit farther along than me. But what I found about faith is I love, I think we love to be like, I'm a faith-filled person. I mean, you're in the room, right? So nobody in here was like, I hope he destroys my faith today. What is that noise? Every one of us, I've never woken up and be like, I, I always want to think of myself as one of those guys in that book, but if I'm honest, I'm not most days. And if we're honest, like when I started this thing, man, my faith was high, and, and then cancer or hardship or life happens, and you so, slowly, but without even noticing your faith, where it's supposed to be this vibrant, living thing that you step out of your door every day and you're like, what adventure are we going on today, God? It becomes small. And you stop trusting God for big stuff, you don't even expect him to really show up. And so when I get to Hebrews 11, it stirs me to be like, I want God to write us a letter that by faith, Jeremiah did this thing. By faith, you did this thing. By faith, you did this thing. That we would have a hall of faith. That's what Hebrews 11 is called. So I want to read verse 1 to 5. I'm going to stop. I'm going to share a little bit, of, not a lot of bit about my life. Then we're going to jump back. We're just going to go back and forth through that. And so Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1. Faith, now faith, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God has taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So we'll just stop there for a moment. And you begin to see that everything the, writers, the writer of Hebrews, who we don't know who that is, uh, wrote was, by faith, these men and women, old saints, did these things. That's where the question comes from. What would I say in my life by faith I did? Because faith without works is dead. The works don't save me. The works just show that I am. So what's producing in your life? Where is your faith meeting real life stuff where you're doing the work of God because you have faith in the Son of God? Well, Abel's was a sacrifice. Enoch was just a man that believed God, and apparently there's a real-life human man that has never died that God just took. So you'll get to meet Enoch one day and be like, what was that like? He'd be like, it was wild. You know what I mean? It was crazy. And for me, it's that conviction of things unseen. Assurance and conviction are surely lacking in the American church. And so as I, I prep for today... I want that to be the goal. I'm going to tell you some stories. And when I tell stories about my life, people usually have really different reactions to them. The goal of today is not giftings or experiences. The goal of today is that you would fall madly in love with Jesus and say, whatever you want, I want. You want what God wants for you? You do. And so for, for my story... My hope is that you will taste and see the goodness of God today. I mean, you'll encounter him. He will encounter you. What I think plagues the church is we get, we get really comfortable saying we know God and we live like we don't. I want you to know him. I want him to fill you. I want you to shake if he wants to shake you. I, I, want, I want him to take you to far off places and to proclaim his glory. Uh, I want you to do what actually one of my favorite people is not on the planet, he's dead, A.W. Tozer said. I love A.W. Tozer. He wrote a book called The Pursuit of God. It's this small. That's why I think I like him. If you could say it this many words, don't say it in this many words. Amen? <laughs> They're like, yeah, come on, man. <laughs> we love 
A.W. Tozer so much, you know what we named our new dog? Tozer. Like, I like A.W. Tozer. He, I, I read his books, and he actually puts into words things that my heart longs for. And he wrote in his, his book, The Pursuit of God, he said, it is not mere words that nourish the soul, but God himself. And unless and until the hearers find God in personal experience, they are not the better for having heard the truth. The Bible is not an end in itself, but it's a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God, that they may enter into him, that they may delight in his presence, they may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and the center of their being, their spirit. Yes! This is what I want for us. At the end of our days, I think, I hope God can say a lot of things happened by faith, but the number one thing is that we knew at the core of our being the sweetness of being with him. God is better than life, sex, drugs, anything. He's better. We just don't believe it on some level because our faith, the world's trying to make our faith small. We even like our faith small because if we can keep it small, we can control it. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Um, but once again, I feel like I say this every time. I pray before I preach. Crazy, right? And I don't believe in prayer as a transition, meaning I'm not trying to just segue. I just want to talk to God more than I want to talk to you. So I'm going to sit right here, and would you pray with me that God, that God, would encounter us? I mean, burning in the bones, oh my Lord, my Lanta, the living God is in this room. Fill it. Can we? Oh, Jesus, we just pause what we're doing and say, we want what you're doing. Like, we wait, we pause. Forgive us for always going so fast. My heart and soul, my flesh cries out for you, the living God. There's power in the name of Jesus. So in the name of Jesus, break every chain. Fill, do whatever you wanna do. And so I thank you, God, for your living word. I pray that it would pierce and convict us that it would not be a knowledgeable activity, it would be a heart-soul-shaping activity. And even now, Father, because you're so good, would you gently come in by the Holy Spirit and would you minister to every heart in this room? Show them that you are not dead. You are alive. The roaring lion of the tribe of Judah. You will not be silenced. You will have your church come and have your way. I, I pray for me, and I pray my brothers and sisters pray along. We want what you want more than we want what we want. Have your way. Have your way. Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So if Hebrews says by faith they did these things, and for most of my life, I've been pretty caught. I'm like, I'm a faith-filled guy. I'm in ministry for Pete's sake, Right? But slowly what starts to happen when you're wired like me, uh, you start to do what I've always called it is you build a box. And this is what I've done my whole life. And the thing is, the box is not very strong. It's made out of my fingers. <laughs> uh, but I did that. And I went to school and they taught me how to think about God. And primarily the activity was this. You read the Bible and you decide the box. This is what God doesn't do. Not can't do, but doesn't do. And this is what he does. And before long, you have answers for most everything under the sun. This is how I'm wired, because that's how I was taught. A pastor's job is to have answers for everything. Now, if you know anything about me, if I don't know the answer, I am bothered. It irks me. I was at Tacos at El Burrito Loco. We go every Friday. You should come. They are so good. Like, bottomless chips. Amen. Okay. Whoop. And I could not get my mind around sovereignty. No kidding. Go figure, right? I like couldn't get my mind around sovereignty and free will and election. And I'm like, I can't understand it, Dave. And Dave, being a gentler, kinder man than me, was like, you're not supposed to get it, moron. He didn't say that, but that's what he meant, all right? He's like, your problem's your brain. 
You need to trust the Lord. And I, I'm just wired that I want to know the answers. I want to be able to explain it to you. I don't want you to ever walk up to me and me to be like, I don't know. And my box that I had built had very little room for God to do really much. There was no healing. There was no speaking outside of scripture. If you, if you want titles, you're a titler. I was probably a biblical deist on some level. You're like, what is that? I believe every word of the Bible is true. I believe that it explains perfectly the condition of humanity and that we need a savior named Jesus. The deist part is that God just real, real far away. And that came about, not, I didn't start there. It just came about that if you do this long enough and see tragedy enough and God doesn't come through in the way that you want enough, your faith, which started out high, starts to get, you start to shrink a little bit. And so God in his goodness started to show up in my life. You, you know moments like that? You don't even have to think spiritual. Like You guys have moments in your life that are like shaping moments? Uh, shaping moments are like, when my first kid was born, I stupidly yelled out loud in the like, maternity ward, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. I think my wife was like, you didn't really do much, bud. Like, so, right? Those are, those are shaping moments, you know what I mean? The, the moment you got married, your first job, your first house, that first podunk apartment, and you ate ramen, but you were happy. Those are moments that shape you. And then there's other moments, spiritual moments, that God does very, very similar shaping things in your heart and your life. You know those moments? And don't think like it was like wham, bam moments. I'm thinking like the moment you read that scripture for the hundredth time and your heart started to beat and you started to cry. What was that? That was God going, I'm going to build faith in you now. I'm going to apply this to your soul. Not your mind, your heart. The, the moment that you prayed a prayer and then God came through with the finances or the peace or the right wisdom, and you were like, he is real. That's those moments that shape us, yeah? And so if I'm a guy that loves to have the right answers, and when I don't, it bugs me, that was my box. And God's very far away, and I would go into hospital rooms during that season of my life, and I would pray really comforting prayers like, the will of the Lord be done, live or die, amen. Super comforting. Doesn't everyone want to hear that when they're dying of cancer? And then God in his goodness, um, I started praying a prayer six, seven years ago. God, is this it? Is this all we're doing? We're going to come here every Sunday, but we're just going to struggle with the same stuff we struggle with the rest of our life. There won't be any victory. There won't be any power. Nobody's getting healed. You don't even speak anymore because they told me that in school. And I started praying those prayers. And then I started to get really tired, guys. Ministry is hard sometimes. I start to get tired. I start to be like, all right, God, is this, is this all? I mean, I read this, and this seems, wow! Where is it? The day that I got hired here, I'm, this is my 15th year at Cobblestone. When I got hired here, I was hired to be a youth guy. I thought I'd be a 50-year-old weird youth guy. They're all weird. Don't tell me not. You ever met a 50-year-old youth guy? Woo! You might catch some youth ministry vibes out of me today. And then God said, I got different plans for you. I did not want to be an adult pastor. You are scary. <clears throat> and I asked my first boss when I got hired, I opened the book of Acts and I said, why don't we see this anymore? And what was responded with was a mix of like theological understanding and you're not going to. And at that time I went, uh. and went on. Two years ago, some of you got to watch quite publicly because I was on stage for most of that season of my life. God wrecked my box. God showed up and he went, that's a nice box. And I went, no, my box. <laughs> and I want to tell you some stories, not because I want to freak you out or I want to force anything upon you, but to tell you that there's more to God than I have words to explain. And that he's still moving across the earth looking for those that would worship him in spirit and truth. That the be born again in the name of Jesus is a real reality and that God is saving and healing and speaking and moving. And I could keep doing this for about the rest of our time together. Our God is alive. And what I, what I found is that I started to believe, he, I treated him like he was dead. I said with my mouth that he was alive. And then in his goodness, he was like, I'm going to show you something. 
So two years ago, I'm sitting in my office, and the thing is, everybody I'm about to tell a story about is in the room. So that's fun. Um, really fun. So two years ago, I'm sitting in my office, and I've told this story, but this is where it started. This is where I was doing my own thing. I was doing what I was taught, exegetically and hermeneutically accurately, discerning the scripture and preaching it to you, fighting the charismatics when they came in, because they are weird, and just being Bible guy, being intellectual Bible guy. That's what I know. That's where I'm safe. That's the rut that I love. It just feels good, you know? And it is good. But the reason we want to be taught by the word and led by the spirit, because that's the most biblical thing to be. Did you hear that? That's not emotion or charismaticism, Pentecostalism. That's Bible. The Bible says God speaks outside of the Bible. The Bible says God gives gifts. The Bible nowhere says those things stop. Now, I I would have told you two years ago they did but God. So I'm sitting in my office, and all of a sudden, it's a very normal thing. I was just like, I need to go pray on the prayer trail. So I decided that that's what I would go do, because that's what Christians do. We pray. So I went out, and I went on my walk. Nothing fantastic, nothing emotional, just a father. That, that's, I'm literally, that's where, how we were praying back then. Walking through the woods, trusting God with stuff, and when I step out of the woods, a very young, very attractive blonde girl is running at me. All right? She's right there. Cool. She used to live across the street. I did not know her at that time and had no category. My box did not fit prophecy, words, vision, any of that. She's running at me. So first of all, I'm a young guy by myself, and I'm like, I should run back into the woods. Alert, alert, alert. All right? Now, then she opens her mouth, and she goes, hey, I was in my house praying, and the Lord gave me a vision, and you were in it, and I'm supposed to tell you it. Then every cessationist reformed, like, uh, then I'm really like, danger, 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 all right? And she proceeds to tell me a vision that she had that I was in, and she said, in the vision, there's this, this river, um, and you, you need to be in it, and on each side of that river are two mountains. One is the word of God, and one is the spirit of God, and the river is the presence of the Lord. Now, I did what any nice reformed guy would do, and I went, oh, bless you. Thinking it in my head, you are weird and dangerous, Wait till I write a letter to you in my office about how you're a heretic. You know, like that's, and we laugh, but there are worlds of Christians that live that way, and I was that way. And so God, then I walked away from that exchange writing in my journal, and I can find the page and show it to you. God, do you still do this? Like, that was weird. Can you set up circumstances, God, that I would feel desired to pray and then walk out at the exact same moment what she told me was God said go tell this to the man that walks out of the woods can God do that still that's what I wrote in my journal can you do this still and so I kind of like took that all in and kind of just went right back to my norm which is what we do usually when God comes to wake us up out of our sleeping faith we are really our default as people is for our hearts to be like eh, I'll do mine so I went back to mine And then about a month later, and this is all through my journal, I'm sitting in my house on a Monday night and doing a prayer meeting because that's what pastors do. And I, you know, for the longest time, didn't really interact in those. I was not free in worship. I did not like to raise my hands. This is what I always bragged about was my worship position. And then slowly God was starting to warm me up to his presence, the reality that maybe he was doing this stuff. But I always felt so unable to come into his presence. You ever felt like that? Like, this guy over here, he's, he's pretty much lost in the Lord. I don't know what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like, you look at other people, and they're like, well, God told me. You're like, he didn't tell me anything. So I'm praying that night on a Monday, and I'm feeling just, just dirty. Like, I can't come into your presence. I'm a sinner. And immediately a thing happened that has never happened in my life. I, I had a vision. And it's almost like you're in a dream, but it's your imagination, but you're in it. And... And I'm, I'm like this, and I'm Gollum. You ever seen Lord of the Rings? So like, my precious, that, that guy? That guy, cool. That's me, and I'm bent over a very dirty river. And I mean, picture garbage floating in it, and I'm Gollum in it up. So that's me, and this, this picture in my brain. 
Um, and I'm sitting there as Gollum, and I hear a voice behind me, come here. And I look back, and I go, hmm, it's God. Wow. But I go right back to the river. And then in the most compelling, loving voice I've ever heard in my life, God, my father, says, come here, son. And I look, and I go, I can't. I'm drinking a dirty river. And he says, come here. And I gollum my way over, <laughs> right? And as I'm golluming my way over in this picture in my brain, which I have no box or category for, because that doesn't happen anymore, but it's happening. Ah! There's a big glowing line on the ground between me and God, and it reads, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Who knew God knew, knew Romans 8? That's crazy, right? Um, <laughs> and I walk over this line, and I'm not like this. I'm... I'm a man, I'm a full man, made whole in Christ. And I walk up to a new river, and it's shining, and it's bright, and it's beautiful, and God's there. I can't tell you what he looked I just knew it was God, and he says, jump in. And I jump in, and I float, and I'm like, oh! And then all of a sudden, I'm back in Oxford, Ohio, thinking I literally had a schizophrenic break. That, you want to know how Andrew's brain works? I doubt everything. I question everything. I think that's okay. I think God can handle it. But at some point, you have to start walking in faith. And so God, all of a sudden, was like, you're not dirty. You can come in. Fast forward one week. And in my journal, it's one week from that day, I was sitting in that sound booth. And I was so thankful to be sitting there. I was tired. I was just running slides for a worship night. And I could hide. I'm a hider, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so I was sitting there. And a lady walked in who I did not like. And I've told her this to her face, so this isn't gossip. But she had a prophetic gifting, and I did that because at that time I doubted the whole thing. And I prayed a very self-righteous prayer, almost demanding. And I don't know why I prayed it, I whispered it to God. God, if what she's doing is legit, tell her something about me that only you know. And then I went back to my flights. Not even 30 seconds later, that woman stood on that chair, put her head over the counter, and said, God just spoke to me about you. I went, oh really? What did he say? <laughs> um, God's teaching you about rivers. And I, like, that sounds simple. I know, like, I'm a Bible guy. That would be like, how's that, the Lord? But I felt the Holy Spirit go, Bruh! and I, I was convicted that I had judged a sister in Christ. I was convicted that I did not believe God could do anything outside of my box. And I began to repent. And she said a lot more, and it was really good stuff. Those three moments were the beginning of God starting to come in and go, can I reignite your faith for you that I'm moving on the earth and that I'm living and breathing and saving and healing and restoring and pro like prophecy, prophecies happening and healings happening. And I'm like, and that just got me to the moment where I went, I want what you want more than I want what I want. My default is safety, comfort. I can grow a church. And that sounds like pride, it probably is. It's not hard. We had upwards of a thousand people coming to Cobblestone on Easter. And I probably was like, good job. I don't care. I want you to know God. I want you to walk with him. I want him to fill you with his fire. And I want him to send you into dark places to destroy the works of the devil. That's what I want for you. It's coming. And so as I look at verses, go to Hebrews eleven six, which is right after what we read to five. This is the verse when I was like, Lord, what do you want to say to this church? This is the one verse. Doesn't have to be 17 verses, one verse. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Did you hear that whole thing? So you can't please God without faith. Where is the faith in the house of God? And you've, I feel that because it's almost yelling at myself. When are we going to walk by faith, not by sight? When are we going to stop staring at COVID and start staring at God? When are we going to start staring at the word of God and not our feelings, our emotions, or our lack thereof? I'm a very emotionally stunted man. That has never changed who God is. Amen? <laughs> Without faith, you can't please them. 
Some of you have been coming for years with no faith, don't even think he's there, throwing some stuff up because your mom taught you in church one day that's what you're supposed to do, but he's real and he wants to know you. And here's the biggest revelation during the season of my life, and it will sound simple. He hears me when I pray. My father hears me when I pray. Do I understand why stuff doesn't happen the way I ask? Well, mainly because I'm not God, yes. But during that season, I had a, a faith rise in me that if you let me lay hands on you, I was going to pray and ask God to move, and he would, not because I was anointed, not because I even knew what I was doing. I was just giddy that God was still like, what happened? I don't know, I didn't do it. God heard me, though. It changed, it revolutionized my prayer life. That, those three words, God hears me. You want to put it in you? God hears us. But what happens over the years, you, some of you have been praying for 20-something years, and you can feel your faith in your prayers sinking. And I feel like God's like, believe me, believe me, I hear you. Faith again. Faith would fill the house of God. We would take God at his word and go and do it and live it and trust him. And so as I look at today, it's like this reigniting of faith again. That the church would be reignited with faith. God came in in all his goodness, in all his gentleness, and he was like, son, you're tired, you're weary, you think you have this figured out, do you want my way or not? And in those few moments, he broke down my box and he's like, will you let me rebuild mine? And all it was, and it was the weakest, yeah, it was like, yeah, there was no bravado in it. It was, God, I'll go your way. If it makes me a fool, I'll go your way. If I look like an idiot on the floor, I'll go your way. If I have to, I mean, all of it. So I went back to scripture and I started seeking. And really, a lot of this felt very normal, guys. I wasn't glowing or levitating, okay? Normal, seeking the Lord in the morning, going to scripture every day. God, what do you say? If it says it, I'll do it. And somewhere in there, God was even pleased to just come again and again and again and again. Um, another moment that happened, I can't really, I didn't have a date on this one. Um, but a couple invited me to their house. And they were new to the church. Um, and they said, we just want to get to know you. We just want to pray over you and stuff like that. I was like, sure, whatever. And I get to their house and we have a good conversation. I think I mouthed off about like, man, I've always wanted to be a missionary in Ireland and drink Guinness and talk about Jesus. Ha, 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 ha. You know, something like that. And at one point in time, the wife looked at me with the seriousness of the Lord in her eyes. And I think she understands the Holy Spirit. And she said, you're not preaching the gospel. And I went, shut your mouth. I didn't say that, but that's what I thought. I said, you don't know me. And then I walked away from that meeting and I was actually walking down this lane and I started to shake. Like my inside started to quake as if God was going to apply that word like, son, do you want to speak my words or you want to keep doing yours? And as I walked in this door, it's like a Friday afternoon, guys, so no one's here. I, I walked down the aisle and I knelt right here and I'm shaking and I, I started to repent. And I said, Lord, I, I'm sorry that I haven't boldly said what's true for the sake of growing a place. I want your words. I want to preach the gospel. I want to say what's true and what's false. And I want to declare that Jesus Christ is the way to heaven, to the Father. That your sin is really sin, but Jesus can clean, clean it off. And in that moment, I don't know if it was the repentance or the submission, things started to change. And some of you watched it change. I preached different, I talked different, I shaked different. It was just a whole season of God going, all right, there's a man surrendered to me. I'll use him now. And this was a season where we saw crazy stuff start to happen, guys. Like a, a man who is not this guy, I mean like raised very similar to me, said, Andrew, I walked down the aisle and every person I looked like, I, I could feel their pain. Almost like God was showing me what to pray for them. And he got to here and he fell down and he started weeping. This is a like 50, 60-year-old man who's never done anything like that. We watched, like I, I laid down one Sunday after that here and I felt like God showed me a man in our congregation I was supposed to invite and pray for healing, which was a first. And when I invited him up, he yelled, I'm coming. And when I asked him, why did you do that? He said, the Lord told me you're gonna invite me up. 
And I went, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, God. Like, you're messing up all my plans. I feel totally not, not prepared for this. No one taught me this at Bible school. I don't intellectually understand. But he was like, do you see life in it? Do you see fruit in it? And we saw more salvations, healing, people getting set free from demonic stuff. We, we saw life. And then you know what happened? COVID. COVID stopped it. And I want to talk about that in a second, but I do want to talk about this, this seeking, because I think some of you are thinking, why is he telling us this? Is he going to start smacking us in the forehead? No, not unless I feel like I should. Because there's more. Because so often people make God in their image, not the other way around. And our God, the Bible says, is a consuming fire. I liken it to, <laughs> if you put your tongue in an electric socket, what would happen? You want to try? And there's one right there. <laughs> what would happen? And if you're an electrician, you're like, nothing, because the AC bolts shut your mouth. Uh, what happens when a human connects their life to the infinite, holy power of God? If you talk to the guys that I went to school with, nothing. Nothing much happens. You get smarter. You learn some Greek words. If you talk to my Pentecostal brethren, everything. Everything happens. So I started to read the scripture and go, okay, God, what do you want to have happen? And I believe those are the things, those are the moments where he's like, son, there's more. I'm still moving. I'm still saving. I'm still filling. I'm still gifting. I'm still, and I'm like, it was like a whole new world. Like I was like crazy, right? I just sang a Disney song to you. That's how new we are over here. But I want to, the thing that tipped a lot of that off is God showed me a thing in Hebrews 11 verse 6, that revolutionized how I live. Uh, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. We talked about that. Some of you, your lack of faith is displeasing the Lord. Come into faith. Trust him. Sit in the chair of faith. Step out in faith. You'll be like, but I don't understand it. I didn't either. But I find that most often I find the glory of God on the opposite side of awkward and faith steps. You'll have to step out. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. And then this is key, that he rewards those who seek him. So there's, we don't like to talk about this in Christianity because eternal rewards and like everybody's on the same page. You are not. There are those with this many talents and this many talents. Same grace, same invitation, not same reward. So I want to know who of you are seeking God. And here's the Christian response. I am. I know. But when you're like, well, what does it even look like to seek God? How do I even get to an invisible holy throne before an invisible holy God? How do I do that? Well, I'll make it really practical. When you were pursuing your spouse, what did you do? Well, you were on her doorstep. You were texting her. If you're really old, you were telegraphing her. I mean, like, you, you just, <laughs> amen, Grover, what's up? Um, just kidding, bro, just kidding, you're not that old. <sighs> Maybe you were in middle school folding a note and going, like, will you go out with me, check yes or no? I don't know, but you were constantly messaging her, didn't want to be or not around her. You were going after her. You were knocking on her door. You were doing the whole boombox thing at the outside the window, right? That's the picture of, like, pursuing or seeking a girl, now put it in the terms of God. I sit before him in the morning if I feel it or not. I meditate on his word because it's true if I feel it or not. I seek him in the morning, evening, and I, all the time, I want to be with him. And that doesn't mean that I always get what I want because what kid does? But I want to see God. I want to taste and see. I want to feel him. I want to be encountered. I want the living God or nothing at all. And some days I get up and I don't have the faith for it. And some days I get up and I go, today's going to be a good day. That's fine. That's humanity. But God says, I reward those who seek me, who search for me. And I can guarantee if you feel far away from God, this is not a judgment. This is me telling you what I've experienced. 
if you feel far away from God, I can almost guarantee you are not seeking him. He's not hiding. He has told us what he wants. He has told us how to get to him. We just get lazy. That sounds mean, but those are the corrections that God started to do in my heart. You don't, like, Andrew, you don't want a good church. You want me, I promise. I'm like, do I? I think I want a good, no, you want me. I'm like, I want you. And so as we get together today, I mean, uh, as COVID hit, and to be an honest retelling, COVID messed me up. Amen? Amen. I pointed Jeremiah, because Jeremiah's a good friend, but he's watched me bang my head against the wall for a couple years. He slows me down. He's a good guy. I wanted to honor you. Anyway, I'll cry if I think about it. So. Emotionally stunted man. Okay, cool. And COVID hit, right? And so you think about COVID right now, right? I mean, during the season right before COVID, January 2020, I expected God to tear the ceiling off and encounter you all. Fire. I was just like, that, Jeremiah was like, why don't you slow it down, muchacho? Um, why don't you care about the people a little bit more and stop pushing? I was like, ah, oh, no, fire, fire, burn it down. Yeah. And I probably hurt some of you. Probably did. And you probably didn't understand it. And you're probably like, what's going on with my pastor? Where'd, where'd my safe biblical pastor go? And I'm telling you, I didn't do any of that to hurt anybody. I did it because God decided. God decided he was going to have his church. God was going to have his way. And I, I chose him. And that's really, that's deep in my heart. Like if God calls me to sit in that prayer room the rest of the days of my life and never speak to you again, I will. I want his way. His way leads to life. His way leads to peace. His way is full, the fullness of everything that I need is found in him. Not in a position, not in you liking me, not in, like, that's, the, that's the hope for you too. Be in the job God wants you in. You, you don't want to be married to the woman that you're not supposed to be. That's not a, a, that's not a divorce sermon. That's a, be careful who you marry. Uh, we want what God wants. And so January 2020, man, I, I, some stuff had happened, and I don't even like confessing this stuff because I feel like I get labeled, but like there's some moments during that season where the power of God came upon me so heavily I couldn't get off the ground for three hours. And I, I didn't make it happen. I barely even asked for it. I didn't even know if it was there, like to be asked for. And then God's like, I'll show you how real I am. Giftings started to happen in my life. Like, like I would just know things about people or have hip pain. If you would have told seminary Andrew, you're going to have hip point pain and pay for healing, I would have punched you in the face with a Bible. And then God goes, I can do this. I can do anything I want. And I went, yes, sir, you can. And so what started to happen is I went back to Scripture, and I can't find a place that this stuff stopped. That's a lie. I just want you to know. The cessationists do not have a verse to stand on that God stopped doing this stuff. And so I started to go back, and I went, why do I believe all that? It's because a man told me. A man told me. A theological belief system told me. Not the Bible. And so I went, well, if the Bible says, then I can ask for it. So I started to ask. And I'm sitting, I mean, I'm, I'm asking for prophecy, I'm asking for visions, I'm asking for encounter, I'm asking for anything God wants to give. I'm like, do it, right? Which I just want you to know is a dangerous prayer. Very dangerous. And I'm sitting at my living room table by myself, at my house, nothing around, no music, lights full bore, reading a budget report. You're like, budget reports? Doesn't that just stir you up to worship? Sometimes pastors have to do things that suck. Uh, reading budget reports, I don't like them. And I'm reading that, and I read God, uh, that we are over and above, that our people have been generous. And you are generous people. Thank you. You're honoring the Lord with your money. That's good. And I remember having a conversation with the money guy at that mo that, in that time that he was like, we've got to be really careful, don't spend too much. And I remember kind of saying to him, God's going to provide for us. Man. And in reading that report, I had stood up and started yelling, God, won't you do it? Which is a friend of mine who yells that too. 
And when I yelled, instead of it being English, it was a different language. And I went, stop it. And then freaked out, and I was like, maybe, I don't know what's going on. So I called my charismatic friend, Jeremiah, uh, and I went, this is what's happened. And this is how it went, and then it started to turn into Japanese, and I'm like, I don't know Japanese, what's happening in my body? That's literally how God started to break my box and rebuild it biblically. And so God's given gifts, and God's done things, and I know some of you even hearing this right now, you're like, I never want to learn from him again. I would love to talk to you. Uh, I believe this is the more biblical route. And I'm, I'm, I was afraid of all this. And that's really what it was. I was afraid. I was afraid that I wouldn't have control. But I don't want control anymore. I want him to have control. And so as we gather today, COVID hit, and all that stuff seemed to stop because you have to understand, I'm in the mindset that I want to lay hands on people. I want to see the glory of God. But when you're sitting in your upstairs room videotaping sermons, there's not a lot of that going on, right? When you're in an upstairs room videotaping a sermon for a COVID podcast, no one laughs at your jokes, guys. Like, so you tell a really good joke to the camera, and you're like, oh, that's funny, but no one's here laughing. Ah! And you just kind of slowly go insane, right? And during that season, like, you know, you know how COVID was. You're, like, stuck in your house, so you're kind of like, well, I guess I don't know what to do. I guess I'll just go watch Netflix with the wife. And you slowly felt my heart kind of fade, and I felt, like, all this stuff slipping. And I was like, maybe I made it up, and, like, it went into this really deep hole. Probably with a touch of depression, which no one talks about, but I, I don't care. And in that moment, I was like, and yeah, God's done with me. I did what I was supposed to do. And I struggled all of COVID. And I, I didn't know if I was going to come back. I didn't know if I ever would do this again. I didn't know if I had somehow dishonored God by walking in this stuff or missed it or like, you know, did I go too fast? Did I go too slow? And so I went on a sabbatical for a month in August, a year ago, wasn't it? And I spent a month, like a one of those weeks redoing my kitchen. I like doing manual labor. It's good for a man's heart and soul your hands dirty. Uh, the second week I spent at a retreat center fasting and praying. The first three days, nothing. And when I mean nothing, I beat my head against a brick wall for three days. Take walks, not feel anything, not hear anything. And I was like, God, you got to just tell me yes or no. Yes or no. Stay here or no. I'll do, I'll, I'm yours. And in these moments, I felt like God had shown me a few things. And this is where when we tell stories about God, we have to be faithful to tell the good stuff, the exciting stuff, the burning moments, but also the broken, weak, hard moments. And I'm sitting at this retreat center, having not eaten, begging God to speak to me. And I kind of have this picture of like, I did this, Andrew. I lifted my hand off of you to show you how much you need me. I don't need you. Will you surrender to me? Because what had happened is I believed that all my laying on the ground and shaking and all the stuff that was going on, that I was going to be the one that was going to bring the movement of God. God does not share glory with anyone. He will not. And so in his lovingness, he lifted his hand. I'm still saved. I was still saved. Just to say, hey, you need my spirit. You need it. And then that night when I had that realization, I had a dream. And you're like, oh man, dreams, vision, all, I, I know. And in the dream, I declare to God that I'm a Bible guy. This is what I say to God in the dream. I'm a Bible guy. And then God's like, lifts me up to heaven. And there's a Bible there. Big heavenly Bible. Like picture your grandma's angelic baby Bible that's on the big table. Bigger, all right? And it opens up to the life of Jesus and then begins to be read. And anytime this Bible's read, apparently, I don't know if this is true or just a dream, but uh, anytime it's read, the scene plays, like on a movie screen. And so the whole life of Jesus is read before me. Jesus healing. Jesus restoring. Jesus preaching with authority. Jesus doing all the Jesus stuff, which is amazing, right? Jesus stuff. The Bible's closed after that story of Jesus, and then a question is asked to me by God. Are you a Bible guy? And I wake up with full understanding that I am now, I'm a Bible guy, but doing nothing that the Bible says. No healing, 
no prophecy, no life, no spirit, no movement, and God gave me a mission. He said, you'll be this man. You'll be the man that lives in the presence of God in the river that holds the mountain of the word of the Lord and the mountain of the spirit of God. And where those two things meet, there will be revival. And the presence of God. Because I think everybody in here on some level, if we were being honest and we weren't defending our positions, you long for the presence of God. You know why that is? You were made for it. You were made for him. He's the only thing that'll satisfy. And some of you, you're in different places in this story, uh, but I want to breathe heart and life into you, and I've already talked too long, but go to Hebrews 4, 16. I want to talk about seeking God. I want to talk about knowing God. I want to talk about a, a few more things, and then we'll go. Well, actually, we'll go into worship, and I hope you stay, but you don't have to. Hebrews 4 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So if I told you right now, biblically, you can come before the throne of God with confidence, would you believe me? And then why? And then do you do it? And once again, when we talk about this, you're like, how? It's invisible in heaven. How do I get before a throne like that? Well, let's back it up and understand. This is why we are, want to be biblical people. If you don't understand the Bible, you won't understand what Jesus saved you into. So what I mean is, if you look at the tabernacle and the temple, how they were structured, you didn't come before God in those systems. You don't go before the throne. You don't go behind that curtain. It is shut off. Sinful humanity don't come in. If you do, what happens? Boop. Dead. Right? Now we're in Christ. Woo! So in Christ, I get to come before the living throne of God in the spirit place and go, God, help me. And it's not improper. It's right. But if I don't understand that, I live like Gollum. Drinking dirty rivers, not coming to God. But we're the people of God that are in Christ. And so when it says confidence, that's not cocky or pride. That's confidence. Last night at 2 a.m., my little girl, she's five years old, kicked my door in. And I don't, she's not subtle when she's, dad, pops in bed, plops down, covers up, starts snoring. I'm not glad you're here. I'm awake. About 4 a.m., I woke up to her head in my side. I flipped her off of me because I was like, ah, I'm like on the edge. Both the women in my life just pushed me to the edge. I'm just kidding. Um, that's a joke. That's not true. Not true. Bad joke. That's confidence. That's confidence, guys. You know why? Because she does that, I'm, that she's loved. That I, I like to just watch her play sometimes. When she walks in, I just like to listen to her talk. I once watched Grace watch a princess show. Because I, I wasn't watching the princess show, I was watching Grace. God looks at me that way, not because I'm a good man, but because the righteousness of Jesus has been applied to my life so that when I show up before the throne of God, he goes, wow, one of my righteous sons is here. So that when I ask him for things, he's like, it's my pleasure. I love to give you stuff. Now, when you live that way, it changes how you pray. It changes how you interact with him. But some of us, we're living in the shadows going, he's so ashamed of me. He can clean you. There's no demonic power. There's no anything that stands up to Jesus Christ. He cleans all things off of people when they come to him. So come to him. This is why we preach Jesus here. So if we know the context of our Bibles and we know what Jesus has done, then we live rightly, boldly, before the throne of God. Go to Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Colossians 3, Colossians is actually one of my favorite books of the Bible. This will actually tie into Jeremiah's sermon last week. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. 
For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We could spend the rest of our life on those verses. And if we understood them, we would live different. So I would suggest reading them every day this week and meditating. And I don't mean, hmm, meditating, okay? I mean constantly bringing to mind, saying it out loud, singing it, being like, God, give me understanding in these things. If you have been raised with Christ. So if you're in Christ, you not only died with him, which is what chapter 2 of Colossians says, you were raised to new life in him, which means you're not the same thing you were. You're not the sinner you were. You're not the broken thing you were. You're not identified by the thing done to you. You're identified by Jesus. If that's true, if you said, I belong to Christ, then seek the things that are above. How are we doing with that? Are you seeking the things that are above? You're like, well, what are things that are above? Now picture this scene in heaven. God's on his throne. The Son of Man sitting at his right hand. There are angels and these weird eyeball creatures everywhere, and they are staring at who? God. And they're singing every time they look at him through one of their different eyeballs, holy, holy, holy. There's a great throng of elders throwing crowns down and worshiping God, going, worthy are you to receive glory, honor, and power, and dominion. It was by you and for you that all things were made. Around God's holy throne is only holiness, is only the wisdom of God, is only the presence of God. Seek those things. Set your mind on things that are above. Now, when we talk about the mind of Christ last week, I think some of us in the room were like, yeah, right, I can't think like Jesus. You can if you're in Christ because you have the Spirit of God in you. And the Spirit of God knows the mind of God. Therefore, I can think like Jesus. But when me as a man in my flesh set my mind on earthly things, I'm literally putting a crimp on my faith, my life in God. So set your mind. Some of you don't think you can control your mind. You can. You have self-control. So a thought comes in. Oh my gosh, girl jogging with not enough clothes on. Take that thought. And then I will think about the holy throne of God. It's hard to think about anything improper when you're thinking, Jesus, it's right next to me. His spirit is in me. And there'll be some temptation. I'm not saying you're not going to get struggling. Set your minds on things above, not on earth. But I think, I think the enemy's so crafty because media and news and Facebook feeds and TikTok dances, they're so alluring, are they not? We want to set our minds on COVID, on race problems. How do we fix the city of Chicago? You don't. Jesus does. You can't do any of it. You can try. It might have some success you we need god so set your minds on things that are above not on earth so what are you dwelling on all day what are you fretting over what are you filling your heart and your mind and your attention with now hear me some days i don't do good with this on those days you know what i doubt my ability to come before the throne of grace with great confidence so we it's not just like oh i'll just sit here let god do everything no, I want to join the Lord by the Spirit in spirit rod activities that will bring me into the presence of God and join Him in His work. So I got to stop talking. But can, we, can you do one thing? Seek the Lord this week? And if that's just, I'm going to give Him five minutes instead of two, great. I don't think God's mad at you. I think God wants you on a deeper level than even you might want Him. He is moving in the earth. And he's looking for people, like Jesus says this statement. And he says, when the Son of Man returns to earth, will he find faith? He could have said a lot of stuff. But he said faith. Will he find people that take him at his word, that are walking in the assurance of things not seen, the conviction that he spoke it, therefore will believe it. Regardless of experience, I think they're out there to have have giftings or emotions but we take him at his word let me pray for you and then we're going to step back into worship and I know I talk long and kids need to be picked up at 12 and all that crap but not crap whatever 
but it'd be a shame if we heard the Lord and the Spirit of God stirring in us and then we went back to our normal life. So if you feel the Lord, the prayer counselors are going to come up. We're just going to, the room is God's. And what I mean is everything from this moment on is to Him and for Him. So if you need to confess your sin that you haven't been seeking God, do that. If you need to come and kneel like I did and repent that you're not doing what he asked you to do, do it. If you need to say, God, I confess my sin, he will clean you. So Jesus, we come to you now and I thank you that you are gentle and lowly. And I know I said a whole slew of stuff. All of it is controversial. But I pray that by your spirit right now, Father, that you would in our hearts make a fire that cannot be put out by the world, circumstances, or trouble. That we say out loud as a church, we have our faith in Jesus Christ alone. We want your Holy Spirit at work. And we say, God, we want your way more than our way. Have your way. Have your way in our families in this church, in this city, in every part of us, God. And if you have to break us out of our boxes to do so, Lord, or at least for my part, please do. We want to know you. And so we respond now, God, to your word that we get to come before the throne of grace with confidence. Not by work that we did, but because of you. So I'm going to put you guys back where we started, just before God. And you would just start to talk to him. Maybe about what you have experienced or aren't experiencing. Maybe if you're like me, you're like, God, everything he just said doesn't fit my box. What do you say? Talk to God about it. Thank you for joining us today. If you need prayer for anything, you can email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Or you can go on our website at www.cobblestonechurch.com and submit it there. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week and God bless.